And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. So Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a month. I would be honored if you played football for this team. The football gods are always on the bear's shoulder. Go Bears! Boy. That escalated quickly. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Are there any signs that there's a bigger issue of disrespect? Is Jordan Love bad? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's clear to me that they're going to make him earn that left tackle spot. There's some good signs there. It's okay to be excited. It's The Adams. The Adams converge. Hogan Johns. And we are underway. What's up? Welcome in. Happy Tuesday as the Bears general manager, head coach search rolls on. Hogan Johns with you. What's up, John? Good morning, my friend. It's apparently, apparently orange. This is more salmon. So people who see it say, but okay, you got our hoodie hoodie on, right? Yes, I do. Bear hoodie on today, which is not salmon. It is bright orange. Uh, looks like neon orange right now if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate it if you are. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. These uh, hoodies are available. The shirts, too. Hats as well, which you got right here. Um, all available on shirts.com. Appreciate the support. A lot of stuff to catch up on after the weekend, including some some football that I don't know. You know, people just like to complain. I enjoyed the fact there was football on my TV last night. I don't, you know, I would have preferred it to be a closer game, obviously, but it was better than not having football on my TV. Yeah, I, I don't get, like. I, I get some of the outrage about the Monday night game because it's the playoffs, but you knew it was coming. I don't know. I I enjoyed sitting on my couch watching a football game on a Monday night, especially with more on the line. Um. Yeah, and so, so look, the games weren't great. The whole weekend they weren't great. Yeah. Um, I think that could be the case, even if there's only six teams in each conference that got in. Uh, the two seven games obviously were not all that competitive, but and you can say the same thing about the two seven game that the Bears played in a year ago. Again, I'll take the fact that there was football games on my TV, and I still enjoy it. And um. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the harm in harming it. I think it adds something to the end of the regular season too, having more teams involved. So it's not. And by the way, it's not going to change. I just like football. Yeah. If you want to give me more of it, okay. Cut that for an open. That sounded good. I just like football. Uh, we do like football here on this podcast, and the uh, Bears. Um, well, they tell us they like football too. They would. It would. I think their fans would enjoy it more if they won more games. Uh, we'll see if they could do that with a new regime they're trying to put together as the lengthy, deliberate process of interviewing all these uh, general managers, especially the general managers, 
uh, and head coaches roll on. They've been doing two a day uh, most of the days. One of the days they snuck in three interviews. I think that was Saturday. Um, And as we record today on Tuesday, the expectation is that Morocco Brown, the Colts director of college scouting, who we talked a lot about on our last episode um, when we had Stephen Holder on to break things down from Indy, he's interviewing today, as is Elliot Wolf, the um, former Packers executive who was passed up for the general manager job a few years ago in favor of Brian Gutekunst. Uh, Elliot Wolf left for Cleveland. Things did not go great there. He's now with the New England Patriots. So uh, they are on deck today in the GM search. And, uh, you know, we're going to kind of keep giving you guys as much information on these candidates, head coach or GM, as possible. So we kind of covered Indy last week. Today, we're talking a lot about Buffalo. Um, especially coming off the big game over the Patriots on Saturday night, the big win. They're going to play the Chiefs this Beat week. Down. Yeah. Um, so Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic, who covers the Bills and is great, is on the episode today to talk about Brian Dable, who's a hot candidate, Leslie Frazier, who still in the mix, it seems. And then um, I think he's talking with the Bears on Friday. Did I read that right? He was pushed back. Leslie Frazier, I believe. Yes, I believe that's Friday. Yes, the, inf- the, 21st. the infamous last interview. Although there's a lot more candidates, but well, Todd Bowles apparently is Saturday. Yeah, so never mind. I mean, the problem with these head co- or these almost all of the head coach candidates, um, with the exception of Dan Quinn. Now, Dan Quinn's interesting because his season's over, but most of these other candidates are still playing. So. And that doesn't just affect the Bears. It affects all these other teams that might want to hire these guys, too. So that's kind of how the everyone wants to know, hey, when's the hiring going to take Everybody's place? Everybody's in a rush. Don't be in a rush. Can well, I they, they, they kind of set the expectations with the last two cycles because um, the Ryan Pace hire happened pretty quick before the divisional weekend. And then all of a sudden, John Fox loses and he's hired. The Matt Nagy hire went real quick because they lost in the wild card weekend. They interviewed him right away. Bam, he's hired. I think the thing to keep in mind there, though, is the guys who are hired as head coach were playing in a playoff game and lost. So, a lot, again, a lot of his candidates are still playing. Does it, does it bother you that... Let me go through this list. The Doug Peterson, Brian Flores, Jim Caldwell, Nathaniel Hackett, Brian Dayball, and Matt Eberflus have all been interviewed before the GM position is settled. I know you got to do your groundwork. I know this is only two hours over Zoom, but I'm just curious. Is this head coaching candidate list increases or the interview list, completed interview list increases? Like, Does, does it bother you that... The GM, the the man actually who should be calling that shot, isn't involved yet. Uh, does that? No, I I remember ha- having this conversation too in 2015. You know, I think it, it goes back to you have to interview these guys when you can. Um, and you don't know when they're going to be hired by a different team. And I think any any missed opportunity to interview somebody is exactly that, a missed opportunity. Um, 
you know, just look at Doug Peterson. I'd love to know what Doug Peterson thought about Matt Nagy and Justin Fields and Andy Dalton and just how that whole thing was handled and how candid he's willing to be about one of his friends. You know, in what's probably considered a closed doors, you can be honest and candid type situation. Because I think there's something to learn there, even if you're probably not going to hire the guy. I guess my concern is rooted in actually in what happened in 2015. It is now... You have this brain trust that is possibly creating their own list of finalists before you have your finalists for the guy who's supposed to hire that head coach. So that would bother me. Sorry to interrupt you, but that would bother me. If If they came up with a list of finalists, if they hire a coach first, um then it's a different story based on who it is. But let's say they hire the GM. Then I think that's where you go to your, you make your list of finalists with that GM. Let me throw out another question for you. What if this GM candidate has other head coaching candidates in mind that aren't on Bill Polian's produced list for the Bears? Then you so better interview them. You better interview them. Or does that disqualify that GM candidate, like, oh, Bill Pullian doesn't like this guy. This guy likes this guy. I, I'm using the word guy a lot here, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, then that would bother me too. Yes. Yeah. I, I would just hope that they would be open-minded. Say an Elliot Wolf goes, I, hey, George, Ted, you're missing out on these candidates as well. Mm-hmm. I just hope they're open-minded to hear about those other candidates. I mean, Elliot Wolf has been in the NFL for a long time. That's what I'm getting at. Like, there's, yeah. they have to be more open minded than they were in 2015. Do you think that's why? I'm guessing that's why we're seeing some names added because they start talking to somebody, and it may even be a head coach candidate. And I don't, I don't know this to be the case, but let's just look at Brian Flores, who they interviewed, who I understand why they have to go out and interview him. Season's over. He's probably. Um, I don't know if he's probably going to get another job right away, but he's immediately he gets fired. He's immediately lined up for interviews in other places. You have to take advantage of that. You can't wait. And here's why. Because the Bears interview him. And again, I don't know this to be 100% the case, but all of a sudden, Reggie McKenzie gets requested. Reggie McKenzie is down in Miami right now working for the Dolphins. So is it possible that through interviewing a head coach candidate, they learned from Brian Flores, hey, Reggie McKenzie would be somebody I'm interested in talking to. So now you've done your due diligence on Brian Flores and possibly learned about another GM candidate that you should be talking to or would pair with in that process. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I hope that's the case. I I actually, if you're a Bears fan, you would pray that's the case, but... I think they're just working off lists that Bill Polian's produced for both jobs. And things leak out at different times. Sometimes candidates don't like their names out there until their interviews are completed. Not all these GMs have, or these directors of player personnel have, have agents, so certain things don't leak. But I, I guess that's my concern is that you're, they're just going to stick to these lists. And, they're, and, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of impressive coaches on that list. But like 
to go back to something you said earlier, like about being an appealing team. Like if, if Brian Flores wants to be the head coach of the Bears, like like aren't they more appealing if he knows who he's working with? Is what I'm getting at. I guess they become more appealing if he gets the final say in the 53 and he's more powerful than the GM, but there seems to be a few loose ends to this to me that are, that are starting to bother me as the, as the days build up. And I'm, and I'm sitting here trying to remind myself to be patient about this process because I think the Bears have to be. They got to get this right. Have to get this right. Take your time. Do as much research and homework on these candidates as you can. Call around. Make extra calls. Extra interviews, feel these guys out, um, get it right. Well, and I think that's the problem. I think people are, you know, rightly getting annoyed by hearing how much power or say Bill Polian might have in this thing. But then I keep going back to the well, if it's not Bill, who are you? Who's calling the shots? Because reality is, he's the most qualified. He may have been. Not employed by a team in a decade, and he maybe he's seventy nine years old, right? But this is the position the Bears have put themselves in. Do you remember? Here's another concern: How many head coaching candidates Brian Brian Ryan Pace interviewed outside of John Fox when he after he was hired? How many he interviewed outside of John Fox? Yes, total. Oh, Count with John Fox. Total head coaching candidates he interviewed after being named general manager. Well, I remember he interviewed like Todd Bowles immediately. Like Todd was already in the building. The day Ryan he gets was hired. hired, they walk into a room. Hey, here's Todd Bowles. Talk to him. Which right away is like red flag number one. Yes. Like what? Like, you know, I'm hoping you're going into interviews with like a list of questions and knowing everything about these candidates and really want to talk to the guy. So, yeah, red flag number one. Um, did he also interview Dan Quinn? No, that was. But he previous. wanted to, right? He wanted to. Um, I went through some of it, and this is why I hope this th- this is different. All right, so Pace is hired on January 8th of that year, that same day. Todd Bowles is interviewed. At that time, he was Bruce Arians' defensive coordinator. You know, it all comes full circle with the Bears. The next day, Pace is introduced. Two days after that, I forgot about this. This is important for me for some reason. <laughs> Remember the reports about Gary Kubiak and the Bears' interest in him? Oh. Gary Kubiak was the Ravens' OC. OC. Two days, a day after that report. So January 11th, reports come out about the Bears' interest in talking to Gary Kubiak. The day after that, the Ravens announced that Kubiak is not going anywhere. He's staying with us. I remember that. That same day, John Fox is hired. Fired, sorry. John Fox is fired by the Broncos. On the 13th, the Bears interview Terrell Austin. Lions defensive coordinator. After that came Doug Marone. Oof. Then came John Fox. On the 16th, two days after the first interview with John Fox, John Fox is hired as the Bears head coach. Three days after that, Gary Kubiak leaves the Ravens for the Broncos. 
Wins the Super Bowl. Wins the Super Bowl with John Fox's old team. Do you know who gets hired as the Ravens offensive coordinator? Do you remember this? Um, this brings us full circle here. Who gets hired as the Ravens OC right away? Who? Mark Tressman. Oh, I totally forgot about that. There's your podcast, everybody. I am done for the day. <laughs> How did I forget about that? Because I remember... Oh, my... I totally forgot that Tressman had a... And didn't he not even finish that year? I'm checking that right now. It was either... I'm pretty sure he no, got fired he, No, he got mid-season. two. He got fired in the middle of his second year. Second season. I should have known that. That's uh, the that's the Mark Tressman special. You yeah. I don't think the first year was actually that bad, but yes. Yeah. Right. No. The first year goes well, and then the second year is a disaster. That's when you read Mark Tressman's book. It's like that's every chapter. But like it's yeah, <laughs> it's great first year. Like oh, second year fired. <laughs> like it's like is this the same thing over and over again? Like what's happening here? I was just thinking about that Kubiak thing and. Like, why weren't the Bears appealing at that point? The Ravens literally because announced... the roster was horrendous. I know, I know, I know, but it, it just goes back to, like, who was doing the interviewing? And and, and who, who did Ryan Pace really have connections to? You know, he'd been, in, he'd been in New Orleans his entire career. So I think going off that rundown, I think... You could be optimistic that the Bears' current search seems to be functioning a bit differently. But let's get this GM settled. Yeah. I don't want to... I'd like to reiterate that there needs to be some patience. But by next week, I think you need to have your GM search come to a conclusion. Like next week this time. I Yeah, I would say even by the end of this week would be okay. Um, for the reason that, uh, like right away, you know, like either Buffalo or Kansas City is going to be eliminated. Not that they're interviewing any coaching candidates from Kansas. How does Eric Bieniemy not? Does he have a single interview? I don't think so. Like what the hell? <laughs> Matt, I mean, Matt, I mean, is that because of Matt, Matt Nagy? I uh, maybe. It just doesn't make any sense, but that's a different thing. All right, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to play a game. Well, first, we're going to bring in Joe from Buffalo. Um, Joe Biscalia, who does a great job covering the Bills. After we talk to Joe, who's going to break down Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier, and Joe Shane for us, um, I want to go through this list with you and just kind of give our natural first impressions on some of these guys. doesn't have to be like, yeah, hire them, whatever, but like, because you want to start narrowing this thing down, you just said that. So let's 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 try to do that as we uh, continually try to fix the Chicago Bears on this podcast. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Directv. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Directv over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Directv without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred Directv. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? 
we've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Joe Biscaglia covers the Bills. The Bills are hot right now. Brian Dable's hot. And uh, we got to learn more about these guys. So here he is, Joe Biscaglia. All right, let's bring in Joe Biscaglia, who covers the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic. Does a great job. You should definitely be following him on Twitter. That's at Joe Biscaglia, spelled B-U-S-C-A-G-L-I-A. Check him out. Uh, For nothing else, not just as uh, Bears trying to raid the entire Bills organization uh, situation, but also because they happen to be a really good football team and have a big game coming up against the Chiefs this weekend, of course, and... uh, uh, Joe, we were just kind of talking before we started here about how you've never covered a team this good, and neither have we. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a weird feeling. I mean, I, I know you guys have been through like the quarterback purgatory thing too. Like it, it's it's I I have to tell you, it's fascinating to see going from like the years of Brian Brom, Trent Edwards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, and then getting you know, what ends up becoming a, a superstar in the NFL. It's, it's a weird thing. It's, it's a weird thing to cover uh, as the, as the paces go through. I see your list and I call you on that, but I will go with Caleb Haney. Who else we got here? <laughs> Brian Hoyer, Matt Barkley. <laughs> like, oh, we, we, go we got Shane some Matt Barkley here. Yes, you did. You did, you did get Barkley time. Um, so just like, one question about that before we get into the candidates. Like, you've covered Josh Allen since 2018. They take him with, what, the seventh overall pick? Yep. Right? Like, was there a moment for you where you're like, oh, like, this is something different? Like, mm-hmm. like they yeah. have something here. They, they actually might be right. The Bills may finally have their quarterback. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember his first training camp, like you could see just talent that we haven't seen from a quarterback here, at least from the time I started covering the Bills in like halfway through the 2009 season. Um, and I mean, not not to say that Thad Lewis isn't isn't something to write home about, but <laughs> um, when you could see just the natural talent that he had and the flashes throughout practices, I'm like, OK, that there might be something here. And then it was the Dallas game, his his second season in 2019 on Thanksgiving. They go to Dallas. They were uh, pretty big underdogs. And the way he just kind of took over the game, he was accurate. He was poised. Um, he was their emotional leader. He just he just took everything over. And I think from that point forward, I'm like, okay, this dude might be might be something here. And he's just progressively gotten better. And that's the thing about him. Like he um, is n- never relenting on on what he's trying to do off the field. Um, and Every si- every single time he sees something on film that um, he he finds wrong, then he'll correct it within a week or two, which I've never seen from a quarterback before. Um, it, he just kind of like molds his game as he goes on. And now he's basically playing a perfect level of quarterback right now from a mobile and, and passing perspective. And I, I honestly have never seen anything like it in Buffalo. So how much credit does Brian Dable get for Josh Allen's progression? Uh, development and can he do that same thing that Justin Fields here in Chicago? Yeah, I, I think Brian Dable has played a huge role in this. And, you know, they, the Bills in McDermott's first year in 2017, they uh, hired Rick Dennison as their offensive coordinator. And before they, got their first round quarterback McDermott's like okay no we, we can't have this guy mold a quarterback <laughs> because he's just nothing so Dable comes in he's super creative um he he basically isolated all of these little problems um for him to work on throughout OTAs throughout rookie minicamp everything like that and I remember something as little as um you know he used to struggle with his accuracy throwing left because he used to open up his hip a little bit too much and they isolated that problem they fixed it as they got closer throughout the throughout his first season and Dable has just really created his offense around this quarterback as opposed to trying to impose the will of his principles and everything uh, like we've seen so many times from from offensive coaches all over the league. He is a player first guy. He is um, someone that the players just absolutely love. He will trust his players to um, to give them give him ideas. He's constantly working even when he's not supposed to be working. He's constantly FaceTiming everybody. Like not only is it uh, an on-field perspective, but he has helped instill the, the or really drive home the work ethic that Josh Allen has really uh, used to get his, get himself to where he is today. So yeah, I think Dable has a huge role in that. And I would trust Dable with any young quarterback, honestly, if they are talented enough, um, the way that he molds his offense around people, uh, he's, he's not going to put them in bad situations and just have the quarterback basically bash their head against the wall. Um, he is going to, See, like Justin Fields, obviously the the scrambling and and his the mobile element to him was was great this year. But you know, I, I remember reading from afar, like, oh, Nagy's not letting him do it. He's not letting. That's not going to be a problem with Brian Dable if they hire him. He's a creative guy and and he understands what makes 
his players great and he'll put them in those positions. One of my favorite, I'm going to call it a cliche that's thrown around a lot right now is leader of men, leader of men. Like it's, I think it's an intangible that it's hard to quantify. I don't know if you can. I think it's Mm -hmm. more of a feel like thing. So what's your feel for Dayball when we use the phrase leader of men? Yeah, I think, I think he can be a leader. Um, He's never been in that spot before, but he's basically the leader of the offense. Like he has complete autonomy of what's going on over there because McDermott's a defensive guy. Um, And like McDermott will give him, you know, some like subtle hints through press conferences that he wants to run the ball more. Um, And that's been kind of a thing the past couple of years. But Dable, this is his show completely. And the way that his players respond to him. Like I mentioned it a little bit, but his big thing is he FaceTimes basically all of his players. It is a running joke and he's just a very jovial guy. Terrible in press conferences, mind you. So you guys are if if they hire him, you guys are not gonna have fun there because he is from the Patriot school of of press conferences. But um, you know, very personable with everyone outside of a press conference setting. Uh, people just gravitate toward him. So it, I think there is that leader of men um, sort of uh, sort of a quality to him. The only thing I wonder about him is because he's never had the pressure of basically being the CEO in, in the head coach chair. I wonder if he can, you know, relinquish what he does on offense, because sometimes we've seen so many times um, throughout NFL history where these guys just get bogged down by trying to be the coordinator and the head coach all the same. Um, so that's the only question I have for him, but he's seen a lot of great guys do it. He was with Belichick for years and years and years. Um, he was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban in one of their national championship years. And he's been with McDermott for the past four and McDermott's a really good head coach. So, um, I think he can do it, but, uh, but that's always the big question whenever it comes to becoming a head coach for the first time. Yeah. And I know what our listeners are thinking about right now, which is, Oh, that sounds like Matt Nagy couldn't figure (laughs) it out, you know, like couldn't figure out the distinguishing the head coach from the offense coordinator yeah. thing. And we got a little bit too obsessed probably with the offensive side um, and couldn't delegate. All right, let's uh, let's move to Leslie Frazier. Okay. Because to me, he's the, he's the guy in this whole thing that whose name just won't go away. I think that's the way I'll put it. Um, he's not. Is that a compliment? To, I don't know, <laughs> but like he was one of the first names that came up, um, you know, even just, Driving home right now, right before we started doing this, from dropping my daughter off at daycare, Albert Breer's on the radio talking about how he thinks Leslie Frazier's the favorite to get the job. Um, to me, it's just not a very inspiring hire. Maybe it's just because we were too close to his four years in Minnesota and witnessed it twice a year. Um, the one good season, three bad years. So I don't know. Sell us. Or don't sell us on Leslie <laughs> Frazier, but tell us, uh, just tell us what you think about him getting another opportunity at his point in his career. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, he's a great guy. And there's, uh, I mean, just all the same things I said about Brian Dable, it, it goes for goes for Leslie Frazier because his players just absolutely 
adore him. And, and you know, the, the, one th- the one thing I will say about him is because he did have that Minnesota experience, he understands where he screwed up and where he went wrong and maybe where he uh, put too much faith in, in things. And so that part of it, I'm sure he's been stewing on for a long, long time. This is a this is a person that has wanted to get back in the head coaching chair since he left one. And now that he's had the opportunities, I mean, he would have taken the Texans job last year if, if they offered it to him. Um, and, you know, good for him that he didn't because of what happened with David Culley. But I think for Frazier, uh, his, he is really good in that CEO role that maybe we don't know what, what Dable will do with, with that sort of role just yet, because he knows how to delegate to, uh, to his guys, um, and by the way, it's not to say that Dable can't do that because he's done that with some of his offensive staff this year. But we know that Frazier can. We've seen it with some of his defensive coaches. Um, he really puts a lot of faith in his defensive line coach, Eric Washington, to uh, to handle the rotation. That's something that's a that's something they do with their defense rather than just having the same four guys out there at all times. Um, their their linebackers coach, Bob Babich, their their safeties coach, Bobby Babich, like he he really gets all these guys to um, to have a stake in what they're doing and, and trying to create a formula for how they're going to defend a team. And he's if if he's calling the defensive plays or or you know if he's pitching in ideas, he is really good with timing on his play calls too. So yeah, it, it wouldn't be inspiring because the craze in the NFL is just because uh, is because they have you know, offensive minds and you want to put the offensive mind in the head chair. So that way the offense doesn't go away around the young quarterback, but you know, the bills didn't do that and they've been okay in the fact that they have found an offensive mind to, uh, to mold their young quarterback. So as long as you get the right guy to be the leader, I think that would be the best case for Leslie Frazier. Um, and you know, you're going to have a really good defense with, with Frazier too, with, with how he runs things. I'm curious about like Sean McDermott's, influence or role I, I like you mentioned the autonomy that Dable has um but mm-hmm. like his success away from the Belichick tree like mm-hmm. what's McDermott's role in that and then like what's the relationship between McDermott and Frazier two well-respected defensive minds oh yeah McDermott made it a point a, a couple of weeks ago to say hey this is not my defense this is Leslie Frazier's defense because that's been a thing here in Buffalo it's like oh well it's it's Sean's defense but you know, Leslie, I mean, it might be like the basis and the scheme, but Leslie's the one that does the day to day. He calls all the plays on on game days, everything like that. Um, so that relationship between those two guys is sterling. Uh, Frazier was one of the first hires that McDermott made. He knew that he wanted to have someone with experience in a head coaching role at, to be one of his most trusted people on his staff. And that was Frazier. And he's just been excellent and their defense has been you know near top 10 into top five range for four out of their five years together so they they trust each other implicitly um frazier i think the uh frazier i think uh can succeed outside of buffalo outside of a coordinator role um he just needs to uh to hire the right offensive mind and that's going to be the biggest question for me with him whether or not he has you know the the type of i guess recruiting ability to get that top offensive mind because you know he's he's all defense mcdermott was all defense they were able to to get dable here which was you know some people thought it wasn't a good hire when they first hired him it turned out to be a great one 
Um, that's going to be the big question for Frazier, you know, along the same lines of, you know, where, where Dable has his huge question, whether or not he can be that CEO, if Frazier can recruit that, that offensive mind to really take Justin Fields and, and have him become a great quarterback in the NFL. So Joe Shane has already interviewed for the GM job. Uh, what do we need yeah. to know about him? Super impressive. Um, he he will be a GM this year. I'm I'm fairly certain. Uh, he has the thing I like about Joe Shane and his story is that he he's a a son of a truck driver um, from Indiana. He just did not grow up through the NFL. Um, he was a really talented guy all the way all the way growing up in terms of on the field stuff, but you know low recruited and everything like that had no relationships with with the NFL got a random ticket uh a ticket office internship with the Carolina Panthers in between semesters at DePaul and uh winds up getting linked up with Brandon Bean who is a, a an assistant's assistant with the Panthers at that point and those two guys have just been as thick as thieves ever since he even went off on his own and worked for Parcells in Miami um, for a few years and Parcells is really impressed by him too. Uh, so being as soon as he got the GM job, the first call he made was Joe Shane. And those two guys have been GM assistant GM, basically everywhere. Brandon Bean travels to scout the the guys that they need to go. Jo- Joe Shane has been with them. He sent Shane out to go, uh, go look at their top prospects. Um, when Bean could not go, uh, he is, uh, he handles some of the negotiation stuff with, you know, like UDFAs and, um, some of the, the actual contract stuff that they need to get done. He is uh, a very good people person, super hard worker. Um, he, he is going to get a GM job. There's, there's no doubt. And whichever team gets him, I think is going to get a pretty good one because of how, who he's grown from, how he doesn't stop trying to improve himself and, um, you know, getting, getting to a spot where he, he wants a GM job, but he's not just going to take one just to take one. Um, that's, that's where he's at right now. Well, well, given the selection of Josh Allen, I'm curious, like, how do you think Shane would view Justin Fields? You know, that's interesting. Um, I don't, I mean, they didn't really do a lot of heavy work on the quarterbacks last year. I mean, obviously they're, they're, uh, familiar but yeah i think he would they would look at that justin fields and say there's a lot to work with just like there was josh allen now it's not this ridiculous ball of clay thing that allen was back in 2018 because um there are there's a little bit more definition with fields but i i think for shane it's all about him finding the right guy to help put um uh, to help put around uh, Justin Fields, which I kind of wonder if Shane were to get hired in Chicago, if he takes Brian Dable along with him, because those two guys have a pretty good relationship and they've, they've grown, uh, rather close, not like super, super close, but they've, they've grown rather cr- close in their time in Buffalo. So I wonder if he would say, okay, Brian, I want you to do exactly what you did with Josh with, with Justin Fields, isolate some past problems, figure out what, where he's great, um, and go from there. So, I don't know if I have the the answer about what he thinks about Justin Fields for you, but uh, I do know that they look at specific traits of what will win in today's NFL. And I think for them, basing it off what they saw on Allen, that Justin Fields definitely has that. It's interesting that they both interviewed on the same day, too. I mean, yeah. maybe just a scheduling thing because, you know, the Bills are in the playoffs. But uh, just I, I just kind of picture how those interviews go back to back since oh, yeah. you know, the same team, same 
quarterbacks are probably talking about. Um, you like you said, they they know each other well. They have a good relationship. So I'm just curious how that would all come together. Um, all right, the most important question we have is how's our guy Mitch Trubisky? <laughs> he doesn't talk to us much. He doesn't have to talk to us much. I think he's thriving in his backup role. He got in for three snaps uh, to kneel the ball against the Patriots. Um, and I think the Bills are pretty confident that they're going to get a nice little compensatory pick out of Mitchell Trubisky. So, uh, so yeah, they're, he's doing just fine for them because they don't have to see him all that much. Because if they did, then they might be in some some trouble but yeah josh allen loves him uh the the whole quarterback room loves him and and you know it's just probably for the best that he got this this year to himself (laughs) so if i'm reading this right you're telling me the bears are gonna hire joe shane who's gonna hire brian dable who's gonna bring along mitch trubisky back with him to chicago that's that's what you're telling us that's what you're saying to to our listeners right now (laughs) that would be quite the trio uh yeah i I think maybe two parts of (laughs) that would be two parts of of the equation um i wouldn't you know i look at that giants job that that one looks like pretty pretty nice for what joe shane would want to do because they don't have the quarterback they have a, a they have two top 10 picks um and like you, you start know, over clean slate yeah carte blanche that's exactly what brandon bean had in buffalo so i i kind of wonder if maybe if he gets offered that one he takes that rather than having a quarterback already in place and and all this other stuff so we'll see yeah it goes back to how he probably feels about justin fields right yeah exactly. exactly if if he loves him and thinks he's the real deal then you probably take the chicago job but yeah to your point uh, if you want to start over, then, um, you know, New York probably makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, we appreciate the insight. A lot of good stuff in here. Our listeners are eating up all these candidates from all these different cities. So we appreciate you jumping on. Um, what? Uh, how you feel? How you feel about the game this weekend? I mean, to me, it's the best game of the weekend. And um, I just can't wait to see these two quarterbacks go after it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, there's just so mu- so much poetry that goes into this Bills um, playoff uh, schedule that they've had because they've had the Patriots who are their uh, overlords of the AFC East for like two decades, and they just blew them out of the water last week. Um, Kansas City, who ended their season last year, and there was the famous image of Stefan Diggs watching as the confetti was falling down um, from afar. Just in the AFC championship game last year. And so they get a chance to do it in Kansas city again. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an awesome game. I, I can't wait to see it. It'll probably be one of those games where I, when I'm done with, with my career, I'm like, okay, that, that yeah. one was sweet. <laughs> that, that one was awesome. Mahomes, Allen. There's also the storyline of Mahomes, uh, the bills trading out of the pick that became Patrick Mahomes and, and they got an extra first rounder out of it and they ended up getting Josh Allen the next year. Just so much symmetry between these two teams and, you know, Sean McDermott coming up with Andy Reed. It's just, it's just 10 out of 10. It's, it's going to be awesome. Well, for more on that game this week, uh, our listeners can check out your podcast called Buffalo Beat. Um, They should definitely do that as uh, we get closer to Sunday's game. Joe Biscaglia, thanks so much for jumping on with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks, Joe. All right. Fun discussion there with Joe, who does a great job um, covering a team that had been very similar to the Bears for a very, very long time. (laughs) I I, I was kicking myself after not getting the, the gambling phrasing. Right, like I see your quarterback list, and I raise you. That's what I should have said yeah. because I, we could go on and on and on, and they have a long beleaguered history of bad quarterbacks up in Buffalo. But I think the ones that we've covered here in Chicago best their list. 
Probably. It's close, though. Yeah. Jake Cutler did provide some unique stability to the position. I'll say that. For a little bit, but, you know. They did have a Hall of Famer in the 90s. True. They did. Bears Bears can't say that. I, I did have one final thought about what Joe said, though, about how the Giants could be extremely attractive to a Joe Shane. Like, for all we know, Joe Shane could be at the top of the Bears list right now. But it goes back to that clean slate that Kevin and I talked about in an article last week. Like, the Giants can't provide that to candidates at this point. The Bears have Justin Fields, which I think is a great starting point. I, I believe that. I, I Yeah, I think I'd rather have the quarterback in place already if I had to. If you believe in him. If yeah. you like him. And, and let's keep in mind, too, it's great the Giants have two first-round picks. I think they have two picks in the top ten. This quarterback class this year doesn't look all that great. To it's me. true. It's, it sure as hell is not last year's quarterback class. Which, by the way, after this, I still like all those guys. I really do. I mean, little concerned about Trevor Lawrence's first year, but boy, that was a terrible situation. I, I think if you really watch Zach Wilson, he started to come around late in the year. Um, Trey Lance is hard to evaluate because he barely played. Um, Mac Jones was probably the best out of all of them, but I actually still have the same concerns I did going in. Like I think his ceiling is limited. I think it's a good fit for him in New England, but I still think that ceiling's somewhat limited. I still like him though. Like I had first round grades on all these guys, and the same thing with Justin Fields. So got to get these situations around them. Fixed, and if I'm a GM candidate, yeah, I guess it determines on how you how you really feel about Justin Fields. But going into New York with a clean slate is also a lot of pressure, and you better get those picks right this year. They're going to jump on you immediately. Oh, two top ten picks. Thank you, Bears. Immediately, yeah. One of those being the Justin Fields pick. All right, let's go through some of these names. We'll start with the GM. Uh, let's start with guys who have already been interviewed. Glenn Cook from uh, Cleveland, who played at Miami with the Canes. I think he played with Jared Payton, actually, for a year. Uh, my first reaction is I've, I've heard good things. Like, he's a candidate where somebody in the league will call you, like, hey, I like that guy. I got that in Glenn Cook. That's all I got. It's 9.51 on a Tuesday. That's positive for me. <laughs> I've heard good things. He is, uh, what's his official title there? I mean, he's the number two to Barry in, in the Cleveland. Uh, vi- vice president of player personnel. Some of these guys are assistant GMs. Some of them are vice presidents of player personnel. Most of them are at least um, number two or the next guy below the GM where they're working. So, yeah, um, I think Glenn Cook is a serious candidate. Agreed. All right. Uh, Champ Kelly, who's already with the Bears, assistant director player personnel. Um, I'll be I'll be frank. Yeah, I don't think he's a real candidate. Yeah, not a chance. Uh, I think Champ Kelly does a fine job. 
he's been more than a valuable resource for Ryan Pace. And resource isn't of putting Miley. He is he's been great for the Bears. But I don't think they're sticking with somebody from the current regime. I think that'd be a very, very hard sell. Um all right, also from Cleveland. Gonna botch the name. Quesi Adolfo Mensa. My initial reaction? Two guys from Cleveland, really? <laughs> but his name's been he's it's been a hot name in league circles for a couple of years now. And that's not by accident. Okay, so he comes from more of a Analytics. analytical side of things so so the problem to me is if you're really gonna go that route you you better be hiring like legitimate scouts and then i worry about losing those guys quickly like if they if the drafts go well other teams are gonna immediately look at chicago and they're gonna say well the guy who's really doing the scouting here is such and such you know the director of college scouting or the vice president of personnel or whatever the bears end up doing below. Um, so nothing against him personally. Don't really know him, but I, I guess I just don't love the idea going down that route. That's, that's my first impression on that one. All right, Jeff Ireland. Rapid we talk, I think we talked a little bit about him yeah. last week. Yeah. I, ju- I just, I like the idea of hiring a GM, a GM with more experience. But if he's the Bears pick, let's just hope that he's learned from his from his experiences in Miami because, let's face it, that was a mess, an absolute mess down there. So good evaluator, probably has a lot of great recommendations, but those questions from Miami would linger with me. Yeah, I think I kind of made this clear last week. I'm not huge on Jeff Ireland. I think there's too much baggage there. Um, little surprised they even interviewed him, to be honest with you. So that's how I feel about that. All right, Monty Ossenfort. I think the Titans have one of those rosters that isn't discussed enough. This team won the AFC without... One of the best players in the league in Derrick Henry. What they've done personnel-wise doesn't get discussed enough. That's what I see when I see his name on the list. I also like that one of the things I keep coming back to is whoever the Bears hire as head coach, even if it's an offensive guy, even if it's you know so-called defensive guy, they better have an identity, right? They better have... One of the things I really like about Mike Vrabel is like they just have a brand of football that they play. And he is very clearly the CEO of that team. And he's willing to delegate. Um, and you just, you know, even if even the weeks where they, they lose, they've and they had some bad losses. Didn't they lose to um lost to the Jets this year at one point? That's going to happen, though. They ended up with the number one seed in the AFC after when it was all said and done, despite all the injuries, despite the fact they don't have a, a dynamic quarterback. Um, so I just feel like if you're going to go that route and bring Monty Austin for Chicago, he's going to know what to look for in a head coach because he's experiencing that right now with Mike Vrabel. 
But again, I, I just hope they allow their GM to come with his own list. Just just saying. Yep. Just saying. All right, Joe Shane, who we just talked to Joe about. Nothing wrong with identifying one of the best talent evaluators for one of the best teams in the AFC right now. Especially that was quite an endorsement. From Joe? Yeah. Joe for Joe. I just, I, I when you see what they had just a few years ago in 2017, and what they have now, yes, they got the quarterback right, but that's a top five defense too. They made a lot of great personnel decisions, whether it's trades and free agency and plus the draft. Of course he's a candidate. One of the things I like about Joe Shane, this goes back uh, four or five years ago. Um, I think it was back when the, let's see, Sean McDermott was there a year before they brought in Brandon Bean, I think. Because I think, didn't they make like a GM change? I think they did. I think they did. Well, regardless, it was whatever the first year they were together. It's somebody who I really trust in the league. Tell me right away. Like, kind of unsolicited. You know, I really like what Buffalo's doing. Like, they just, they're the really smart, good people who understand football, and they're going to get that thing turned around quickly. And I was like, oh, okay. And then here they are. You know, so if he's... I think it says a lot about Brandon Bean. And as we heard from Joe Biscalia, if Joe Shane's the first guy he called when he got that job and they've known each other forever, then that's a, that's a pretty good connection. I take that very seriously. Um, all right, the last guy who has interviewed at this point, and then we'll get into some of the other ones, uh, but Ed Dodds, who is the assistant GM with the Colts, who we talked a little bit about last week. Um, let's do it this way, because Morocco Brown is interviewing today between those two who would you side with like my gut feeling is Morocco Brown okay I Mine just too. yeah I, I, like, I like the background well I had somebody flat out tell me that they think that Morocco would be the better GM but regardless because you can make the same argument about Ed Dodds that I just made about Joe Shane, which is he was the first call that uh, Chris Ballard made when he wanted to put his staff together in Indy after he got that job. So, And I think it's well-documented at this point that I am a fan of Chris Ball- Ballard. Yes, well-documented. <laughs> uh, I, I just think, too, like he, I don't, it's unfair to judge somebody's personality that you haven't met. But you hear stories that Dodds could be a bit a bit abrasive, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But GMs need to be people, people, people too. You get what I'm getting at? Like mm-hmm. you're in charge of so much as general manager. It's not just scouting. It's more than just scouting. It's the training staff. It's the building staff. It's the groundskeepers. It all falls on your desk. Some guys are built better for it than others. But again, I, I want to say, I just want to preface that again. That's I don't know the guy. You hear things, and, I, I'm all, and I'm all for some passion, fire, some abrasiveness. I love that stuff sometimes, but just don't know. And I think knowing how George and Ted tend to operate, I don't know if that's going to fit with them well either. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, how about Elliot Wolf? I, all right, 
Sorry, I was sipping a coffee. No, I know. I, uh, I'm a little hesitant with Elliot Wolf because why did the Packers pass on him when he was like for years rumored to be the next guy up? And oh, by the way, the Packers are still the number one seed in the NFC. Like, it, it's been a little, little rough with Brian Gutekunst. Um, I think if you're really paying attention to Aaron Rodgers, though, a lot of that's on Aaron more than the organization. Um, but, it, you know, they both deserve blame. Regardless, they have a good team. They've done a good job with that defense in recent years. So I just... Why did it not work out for Elliot Wolf? Yeah, I've, I've met Elliot Wolf. I just think at one point in time, that Packers scouting department was absolutely loaded. Yeah. Absolutely loaded. John Schneider, Reggie McKenzie, another candidate for the Bears head, uh, head coaching, GM job. John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf, Gutekunst. Like he was the one he'd even know about. But absolutely loaded. So when. Ted Thompson retired. Uh, you, you had all those guys vying for certain positions in that organization, and guys left for various reasons, I think. But, man, they were loaded at one point with some of the most respected and coveted scouts in the league. Go yeah. figure. Well, look, he was there for a long time. I think a plus is that he knows the division very, very well. He knows the Packers intimately, and I think that that's um, – a strong case for the Bears. But there's some unanswered questions there, I think. I'd just like to know. I don't know if we're ever going to know the answer to them. But maybe if he gets hired, we will. Uh, don't want to go through all these guys because I want to get to some of these head coaches too. Um, but if you could hire one one guy right now, who would it be? One guy right now? Yeah. Like, who's your favorite? Who's my favorite? Joe Shane. Joe Shane. For everything you just said recently. Yeah. All the steps Buffalo took to build that team to what it is today. Beyond just drafting Josh Allen and the evaluation they got right. But the outstanding defense they have, acquiring Stephon Diggs, to the process of hiring Brian Dable. A lot of right decisions to learn from. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think that that pairing, a possible Joe Shane, um, Brian Dable pairing would be very, very good. I keep going back to somebody with experience. If Rick Smith really wants to get back in and he's as passionate. That's the question, though. Yeah. It, look, and it wouldn't blame that. That's the th- and that's the problem, right? Like, so. He's been through hell in his life, loses his wife, raising those kids. People got to think about this like practically from a like a life standpoint. When you're the general manager, you don't see your family a lot. You you are working the entire year. Um so I I I don't know how much he really wants to get 
or can even like again practically like dive back into that job and at the same time have the same passion you need to have to be able to work that grind um to really be successful that's i think the question needs to be asked but if you're telling me that he's back in he's all in it's going to work that's the guy at the top of my list because i think Part of what's flawed about what George McCaskey wants to do here is he refuses to hire a president of football operations, but he's asking the GM to be that guy. Because there's other places, John's, where you're just you're the GM. Your job's the roster. We'll worry about other things. We'll worry about you know facilities. We'll worry about who's running nutrition and who's running strength and conditioning. And we'll take care of all these other things. In Chicago, you're in charge of the whole operation. George has said that. And you kind of have to be. Because who above the GM has even qualified to do that? And so that's Nobody. where that's where I have... Well, that's my point. So that's where, you know, in other places, if you're just hiring a guy to, hey, put together the best roster you can, that's your job. Well, that might be a little bit easier for a first-time guy who has been the assistant GM somewhere else to do. But here in Chicago, they're asking the GM to do more. And so that's where I would ideally like somebody who has experience doing that and is not trying to figure it out on the fly. I think, and that's to one of Ryan Pace's credits, was he came into Chicago with an idea of all that stuff. And I think it was actually good at those other things. I think when you look at the Bears' GM list, and if you just want to compare it to what Ryan Pace was at that point in his career in 2015. A lot of their current candidates have a lot more experience, e- even guys that haven't been general managers yet. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Shane, he's been other places. At Dodds, he's been other places. They've worked for other organizations. They might they may not have been GMs like a Jeff Ireland or Reggie McKenzie, but they've worked for different teams with different people on top, with different coaches, different assistants, different coordinators, different quarterbacks. A wider range of experiences when you look at this list compared to what Ryan Pace was at that point in his career in 2015. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk about the head coaches as much as you don't want to hire anybody until the GM's involved. <laughs> well, if I own the team like Aaron Rodgers, that's what I would do. Um, all right. Doug Peterson. Pass. Brian Flores. In for a second interview. Yeah, I'd probably give him a second interview. I still need to be convinced on him. I need to be sold. Some of the first things I heard right coming out of him getting fired in Miami, I did not like. I, I saw. Can, can I pick a? I saw a report that like the Bears executives were impressed with Brian Flores during the joint practices. I was at those joint practices. <laughs> I did not see Ted Phillips or George McCaskey once. <laughs> I I am I am glad you brought that up because that was my first thought too. Who was impressed? Like to me, the like Ryan Pace would have been the one who maybe would be impressed. He doesn't work there anymore. Like what were what were George and Ted doing that they would have been impressed by the guy? Like not not only like during those training camp practices, George is is more often than not more involved in the. The fan side of things. Yeah. And one of those days was completely like rained out. Remember that? Yes, I do. There was like nobody there. Nobody there. They were inside and they were outside. 
Just saying. I'm glad you brought that up because that was my same reaction too. Um, all right, Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay. I've heard good things, but like, here's my problem. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. All time. Transcendent player in Aaron Rodgers. Can we just acknowledge how much he, like that that helps with success, please? Right. Like I, 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 I get that Hackett has more experiences beyond Green Bay, but that's my that's my thought process with anybody who's coming from one of those teams. It's like the Tom Brady stuff, right? Like how much is it Brady? How much is it the coach? Is all that stuff. What if it's an Elliot Wolf Nathaniel Hackett pairing? By the way, I don't even know if they know each other. They were in Green Bay in different times. But if you want to go all in and get in the Packers, there you go. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't have a strong opinion on that Nathaniel Hackett. He does seem to have a pretty good endorsement from Aaron Rodgers, but that doesn't Adam Gase once had a strong endorsement from Peyton Manning, so yeah. Patrick Mahomes had a lot of great things to say about Matt Nagy. Rich Gannon said a lot of great things about Mark Trestman. Yeah. Tim Brown did not. <laughs> Forgot about that. See, that's the those are the ones we actually should pay attention to more. The bad reviews. Well, right. If you like, especially if, if you're a Hall of Famer and you're like, yeah, you know. I don't see it. Not a fan of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, screw like, that guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Wait a minute. Because everybody says great things about all these guys as they're getting hired. Oh, I want to hear somebody be like, yeah, I don't know, man. Red flag reports. And you get some of that behind the scenes, but like, especially someone who's willing to put a microphone on and like go, go on, on record. record. Yeah. Like, whoa, okay. Uh, Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell doesn't do it for me. Good coach. Um, did it, I, I obviously did a good job in Detroit. Um, my hesitation, though, about giving too much credit for what happened in Detroit is by far the best coach they've had in a while. He had Matthew Stafford. He had a quarterback who's better than any quarterback the Bears have had. And they still were like a 9-7. and seven. Didn't one year maybe they went 10-6? and six? It's not like they were... Wasn't Calvin Johnson setting all sorts of records at that point, too? Yeah, yeah, Calvin Johnson, too. So I just, uh, I don't know. Jim Caldwell's like Leslie Frazier to me. Oh, I would rank Jim Caldwell ahead of Leslie Frazier just because of the quarterback side of things. Okay. And I'm not saying you have to go all in on that side of the ball, but I think it's still pretty darn important. Um. Yeah, I think you can do worse than Jim Caldwell. I just, I don't. I'm looking for. Do either one of those hires like really inspire you? If you're a Bears fan and you're told that your current team just hired a coach who was fired once by the Lions, or a coach who was once fired by the Vikings, I think you just feel down on your luck still. Well, because right, because doesn't this? It still comes back to beating the Packers. So you're hiring guys who couldn't get it done. 
in the division. I just, I don't know. Um, all right. We've talked a lot about Brian Dable. I think we're both intrigued by that name. And um, but I, know what, I know what you said earlier about him and Matt Nagy. You could compare the two, but there's more play calling experience. A lot more. There's different regime experiences. Overall, there's a lot more experience. Yep. There's, there's while he's never been a head coach, there's failures you can point to in other situations that he's learned from. And a lot of these guys who have gone back to Alabama and done what I call the Nick Saban internship have come out of it as better coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's I think a he's a five-time Super Bowl winner and well, what would you call it? BCS championship? What was it back then? I don't, I don't know, but you're the college football guy. He's got one of those rings too. Oh, yeah. Was it, wasn't his still college football playoff? Was it a playoff? I think it was. That was 2017 season. Oh, yeah. Playoffs been Playoff. around. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Matt Eberflus. Intrigued. That's about it. I'm intrigued. I'm, I would be sold more on that if it came from like a um, Morocco Brown or Ed Dodds pairing. If you're kind of going the Colts way. Kind of the same thing as the Bills way. You know, so we'll we'll have to see there. Uh, a couple more names to get through. We've already talked about Leslie Frazier, uh, Todd Bowles. Again, someone who's different than Matt Nagy, just based on experiences, different side of the ball. I think he's a strong candidate. I really do. Hasn't interviewed yet, but I think the Bears are very very keen on him. Well, they've had a lot of people who uh, who have been in the building that talk highly about him. Matt Nagy uh, would talk highly about him. Matt, Matt Nagy has. Yeah, Matt Nagy. Well, he's Matt Nagy had that connection where he's known him forever. And um, they did interview him <laughs> seven years ago. <laughs> Bring those notes back out, I guess. I just... Which one of which one of his years with the New York Jets was your favorite? Well, the Jets. <laughs> yeah, it's the Bears are the Jets. Everybody, yeah, wake I know, up! I know, I know, I know. It's no different here. It's tough to overcome. <laughs> yes, you have Justin Fields. You better get Justin Fields right, though. These organizations screw up quarterbacks like that. Everybody who I bring that up, like the Jets, it's like, whoa, they're the Jets. Well, hey, these are the Bears. What credibility do they have that is going to be any different? That's, I guess that's what just, if Todd Bowles couldn't get it done there, I just worry about what he would do here. But I guess that applies to everybody at some point. All right, Byron Leftwich. Of those two, I prefer Byron Leftwich. Yeah. Um, Quarterback experience. Yes, and it, some of it has to do with the fact he's on the offensive side of the ball, sure, but... One thing I want to debunk right away. Okay, yes, Tom Brady has made everything better in Tampa. Byron Leftwich was already a rising star under Bruce Arians when they were still in Arizona. Okay, that's where he got hooked up with Bruce Arians, and he was already um, getting called up to be an OC by the end of that because I think they had an uh, he like fire Mike McCoy or something like that. And... Leftwich ended up taking over, I think, as the OC there. 
And that's a pretty good, just from a coaching standpoint, it's a pretty good guy to be learning under. Um, and Todd Bowles has that connection too on the opposite side of the ball, but with Bruce Arians. I just like where Byron Leftwich, his coaching trajectory has been. Now, does not have that experience. Totally understand the hesitation there. Um, I guess when we point to head coaching experience, though, I, I like to see good head coaching experience. Success. I don't need to just see that Leslie Frazier had you know, three bad years in Minnesota and one decent year. I don't need to see that Todd Bowles was the head coach in New York when he didn't really do anything there. I want to see a guy, if we're talking about previous head coaches, guys who have actually had success in those stops. You know, Jim Caldwell has some of that. Doug Peterson obviously has that. Brian Flores even, like, I don't... I've never seen a guy get so much credit for a 24-25 and record. He has some good things there. There's also... Bungling of a young quarterback there too that worries me. That's a concern. Uh, last name I want to bring up that I find intriguing is Dan Quinn. Lots of head coaching success. This guy went to the Super Bowl in year two. Now, how much of that was Kyle Shanahan? Kyle Shanahan leaves. Whole thing goes downhill pretty quick. I think part of that, that is something you hope he's learned from or recognizes the mistakes. The epic way in, the epic way in which they lost that Super Bowl. I don't know that anybody could have recovered from that. No. Um, and I think if you really look at what Dan Quinn's done in Dallas this year, people remember that defense a year ago? Defense was horrendous was so bad. Um, and he's turned that thing around pretty quickly. So we talk about guys who have been a head coach. You can say, oh, what did he do? Well, he went to the Super Bowl pretty quickly and runs a defense that's similar enough that I think could work uh, with the personnel the Bears have here too. So I find Dan Quinn to be more intriguing than some of these other guys that are on this list that have done it before. The scary part of this process, Adam, is that there's more head coaching vacancies than actually like legitimate, I feel good, 100% all-in candidates. Candidates, that's a good point. It's always always that case. Half of these teams are going to fire these head coaches they hired in the next couple weeks within two or three years after hiring them. Guaranteed. There are eight Head coaching openings now at this yeah. point. And four GM openings. Yeah, my prediction, two years from now, at least three of those guys are fired. Two years from now, you say? Two years from now. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of what's what this has become. All right. One last thing. Give me three GM finalists. Well, who would be your three GM finalists and then your three head coaching finalists? Okay. Okay, okay. And the head coaching finals are subject to change because I totally agree with you. They should change based on who the GM is. But as it stands right now. Three GM finalists. I'm going to go Joe Shane or Rockle Brown. And I'm going to throw another name out there that I think we're going to be talking about at some point. Joe Horitz. Horitz. Did I say that right? I, I guess so. From the Ravens. Okay. Stay tuned. Those are my three GM finalists. Coach, I just hope 
that the Bears allow their candidate, their GM, their GM, not the candidate, their GM, to add some names to the list. But going off what we have at this very moment, I'm going to go Brian Dayball, Nathaniel Hackett, and Todd Bowles. Okay. Uh, my three GM finalists would be Joe Shane, Morocco Brown, and Rick Smith. My head coaching finalist at this point would be Brian Dable, um, Dan Quinn, and Bill Belichick. Is he available? No. Oh. Sure. <laughs> Although his team did look awful, maybe it is time for a yeah. They should, I think they should fire him. It's it's a disaster in New England right now. I think they should fire him, and uh, then the Bears should hire him. Did I butcher what is it? It's Joe Hordes, right? There it is. I don't know. He's your guy that you just pulled out of nowhere. If you're going to do something like that, you better know how to say his name. <laughs> Adam Johns has his own freaking list. Bears. Yeah, I guess check so. it out. The Bears should be calling you. It Forget Bill Polian. Exactly. Get your list in there. Uh, my third guy. <sighs> I'm just kind of underwhelmed with these head coaching candidates. It kind of goes to your point. Like, there's just not. It's not impr- I, I, I guess it would be Jim Harbaugh, but I don't even know if he's really involved. No, no. With well, Jim Harbaugh, like, he's not picking up the phone unless you're hiring him. That's where I'm at with Jim Harbaugh. Like, maybe you go through all these head coach interviews, and at the end of the day, you're like, all right, let's call Jim. <laughs> well, I don't even think it should be like that, though. If he's really interested, I think you should call him. Yes. He's way more qualified than anybody else these guys are talking to, and he's in the he's in, he's in in the rare category of people I would hire before a GM. He is. He is. But again, I don't think you're making that phone call unless you're actually going to already have that conversation about him being your head coach. Well, then that, I have a problem with that if they're not willing to do that. Well, so I think it works both ways. Does Harbaugh want to talk to you if he's not? <laughs> Jim Harbaugh does not strike me as a guy who wants to spend two two hours over Zoom with Ted Phillips and George McCaskey. Just saying. No, I'm with you on that. But to me, that's where the whole thing should have started. Start with Jim. There's been enough smoke out there. So I, I don't really know how interested he really is at this point. There was a what was the report yesterday that I found very interesting though that like basically his extension slash raise has already been figured out. He's hiring coaches, and it's kind of in Jim's hands though. So, yeah. all right, good episode as we continue to break this thing down. We appreciate uh, all the feedback, and um, we'll see if there's movement this week. I don't know. Got to get somewhere with it. Got to make some progress. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read our coverage at uh, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns for Johnsy. Uh, we need to have Kevin Fishbane on later in the week, so we'll get him. Um, we'll also break down. Uh, we'll f- we need somebody from Tampa with their candidates. Craig Allman. We'll go to a different city. We'll, 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 it's not like these guys have like playoff games to cover or anything like that. <laughs> hey, everybody's got world. time. Everybody's got 10, 15, 20 minutes for Hogan Johns. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, all right, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Check us out on YouTube. Hit that notification button. Subscribe. Uh, and then check out the uh, the merch. 
it's up obviousshirts.com always available for you appreciate all the support for the podcast and we will be back on thursday with another episode as the bears gm and head coaching search rolls on see ya i'm just a fan i'm not a football evaluator Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.